<laughs> Speaking of but, butchering know. and killing, um, <laughs> yeah. Today we're going to talk about Iron Maiden. Does anyone know who those guys are? Probably not. They're yeah, kind relatively of small. Relatively, you know, as far as man. bands that own their own Boeing airplane, they're not that well known. <laughs> small pillars in the music industry. just asked dan if he wanted to talk about the history of maiden and he said no but i think that we should just real quickly go through it if that's okay just yeah no that's fast that's perfectly fine so the late 70s there's a guy named steve harris mid to late 70s um the year not his age um and he starts a band eventually it turns into iron maiden Eventually, he goes through about 40,000 different members. Um, and their first lineup has Paul Diano. Yeah, that's Paul Diano as the singer. And mostly the rest of the band is in place. I think they had a different drummer for a couple of things. Clive Burr. Yeah, Clive Burr. And then they get rid of Paul Diano. Bruce Dickinson joins. He has a more operatic type voice. The band sort of changes along with that. Um, They go for a long time and put out a lot of cool records. Um, Adrian Smith leaves. He's one of the guitar players at No Prayer for the Dying. Bruce Dickinson stays on for Fear of the Dark. Then in the X Factor, they bring in Blaze Bailey. And then uh, they do the X Factor Virtual X. And then the old band reforms with Vir- virtual. Uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. To about, it's <laughs> virtual eleven. Virtual yeah, eleven. Yes, yeah. exactly. Virtual and then X. the old lineup gets together and they do stuff for about the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. That's about it. That's the shorthand yeah. of it. All. And I mean, that's that's you know, the thing is, is like um, Iron Maiden uh, has gone through many different like. Um, lineup changes throughout the years. Uh, one thing I also kind of want to throw in there uh, mm-hmm. to add to your point, Eric. Uh, so Clive Burr actually, and some people may not be aware of this. He actually drummed on number of the beast. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nico McBrain, who is the drummer now that he's become like Dickinson, you know, he's, he is iron maiden at this point. I mean, everybody yeah. knows, Iron Maiden's drummer's Nico McBrain started mm-hmm. with peace of mind. Yeah. Um, so I, that's interesting too, because I mean, uh, I admittedly didn't really know anything about the lineup changes other than Paul Diano to Dickinson right. to Blaze Bay. The vocalists were all I yeah. knew, but Steve Harris, yeah, the, it all basically is Steve Harris's baby. Yeah. And it's Steve it Harris's songs for the most part especially the early records especially i don't think anyone really got any writing credits i don't even know power slave Um, possibly um i'm I'm sure there are millions of people that aren't listening because we don't have millions of listeners (laughs) i bet there are ones of people that um will know that right answers and they'll tell me so i'm sure any members of maiden that are listening could correct us so uh but uh Anyway, uh, there's actually, it's interesting you bring that up, the songwriting credit thing, because that actually is going to kind of come into play sort of Mm. with one of my picks later. 
Cool. So I'll bring that up. Awesome. So um, do you want to do what we're going to do here? Just so you guys know, so you're not shocked and surprised. Um, we're both going to pick three Maiden records that are our favorites. And we're also going to pick three Eddies. Now, I didn't mention Eddie in the history, which is a bit of a. Oh, yeah, that's so pause because Eddie is also the only constant member of the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, it could be argued that Eddie is more Iron Maiden than any of the actual. It's musicians. possible. So yeah. Eddie essentially is some sort of reanimated uh, human hybrid of a zombie and like i don't know exactly yeah i think uh i think his origin changes with every record and yeah. so that's good anyway he is some sort of animated corpse and he is on every record cover some are better than others and yes. we'll talk about that so yes do you want to go with your first record pick dan sure all right so the first one that i am going to pick and this is a really tough decision because as Eric and I were talking um, uh, earlier before we started recording uh, that any one of the first like eight Iron Maiden or no seven, because seventh son of a seventh son is the seventh. Um, any one of those could actually be on this list at any given day. Uh, but I think overall number three, I'm going to go with killers Iron Maiden sophomore album which is the last album with vocalist Paul Diano. Um, I love this record. Mm -hmm. I think that um, from beginning to end, and I also love the first one. I was actually struggling with which Paul Diano record I was going to pick because I mm -hmm. love the first one as well. Uh, I guess the thing I like about, and I'm going to kind of maybe just sort of uh, talk about the first two in conjunction with this um, killer's pick because I mean, while they're both different albums, uh, they both do have a very similar aesthetic with Paul Diano's vocals. I just really do like the um, rawness and almost lo-fi-ness of the first album. And then this album, I feel, is when musically you could see the um, uh, sort of skeletal beginnings of what Maiden was going to become with something like number of the beast, which followed this record. Uh, I mean, there's just, in my opinion, there's just no shortage of amazing songs. I feel like, I mean, the intro, the Ides of March instrumental is just the perfect beginning, the perfect intro of this record. And I would almost argue would be one of the best intros of any metal album, not just a maiden album. Uh, and then Wrathchild, which I think is one of Maiden's best songs ever mm -hmm. recorded. And I would argue with anybody to the end for that one. I, I love Wrathchild. And I actually, I used to prefer the Dickinson version uh, mm. on like Live After Death. But anymore, I kind of feel like Paul Diano was the perfect guy for these two records. Mm -hmm. And especially this record. I, I don't feel Dickinson... I mean, there's some people that say if Dickinson, you know, gave Killers a shot, it would be a better record. And I highly disagree with that. Highly. Mm -hmm. I think that I don't think Dickinson could have done Killers the way that Paul Diano did. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, Murders in the Room Morgue, you and I both, we've talked about how that's also one of Maiden's best songs 
of all oh, time. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I would put that, maybe I would even put that above Wrathchild. It's mm-hmm. definitely in the top 10 for me. And so almost punk rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the first two Maiden records are almost punk rock, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because I guess Steve Harris, at least he said he absolutely hated punk rock. But I also love the Genghis Khan, the instrumental. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. The Song Killers, Purgatory, another really just overlooked Maiden classic. Mm-hmm. I just think that this record, you know, I mean, I was introduced to uh, Maiden at a much, I mean, I was only six years, six years old in 86. And I was introduced to, I, I won't say the name of the record because it's one of my other picks but you know in 1986 for those of you who are aware of maiden's history you probably know what record came out in 1986 but that was the record that i was introduced to and um you know when you're introduced to maiden later you kind of think that for whatever reason your first impression is that the first two albums with a different singer isn't going to be worth checking out. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally did, I was like, this is what I've been missing out on. I think the Paul Diano albums, both um, are just absolutely fantastic. And I could have put the self-titled one here too. In fact, I would almost say that it's a tie. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. Um, It's not as operatic or whatever you want to call it as the later stuff, or even as, I guess, progressive Mm -hmm. as some of the later stuff. Like there's a lot of just raw guitar tone in your face at times. It almost borders on garage rock, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, sort of. Um, And Paul Diano served as the perfect vocalist because he had the raspy, almost punk rock demeanor. Mm -hmm. And I think he's the one who kind of brought the punk element more. So Um, a lot of really great playing. Um, Yeah. And also I think, Speaking of Clive Burr earlier, I don't think Clive Burr's drumming can be underestimated either. I think mm-hmm. um, he is just, he was just absolutely incredible as well. Um, so yeah, Killers is my third pick. Love that record. Yeah. So Killers is my second mm-hmm. favorite. So I figured we'd have some overlap. So Sure, um, sure. Yeah. Um, Killers. I, I love Killers. And here's the thing. Amazing. Is, I I was first aware of Iron Maiden early. I mean, like terrifyingly early in my life because my uncle, Steve, was a big like headbanger dude. He loved Ozzy and, and he loved Priest and he loved UFO and Iron Maiden. And so I knew about that stuff basically from the time I was born. It felt like, but by the time I got to age five or six, I already loved heavy metal. Like that is what I listened to. But I remember seeing Eddie and I remember seeing him when I was little. And in my mind, Eddie is like one of the universal monsters. It's like, well, you got your Dracula, your Wolfman, your Frankenstein, your mummy, and your Eddie. Like that's it. He's just and creature from the Black Lagoon, just so no one... Mm-hmm gets mad at me for forgetting the creature um anyway uh so eddie's been a part of my life for a long time and i feel like when i finally actually heard iron maiden it sounded a lot different to me and i think 
it had to have been Killers or at least Number of the Beast that I heard first. And for me, I think it was Paul Diano that made the difference. And it was the fact that he didn't sound like another metal singer. He wasn't Rob Halford. And even Ozzy, you know, he's not like an opera singer, but he's still hitting big notes and he's still like this theatrical element of being a heavy metal singer. And Paul Diano wasn't like that at mm. all. So Killers to me, just it kind of it's the first time I really remember hearing and seeing Iron Maiden and really just being kind of like beyond intrigued by it, like almost obsessed, which Eddie will do to you as a teenager, as a young person, as a little kid, seeing Eddie somehow changes your life. I don't know what it is. It's just so easy to obsess over what the hell is going on with this dead guy. Anyway musically <laughs> killers is outrageously good Wrathchild is amazing murders in the room org is probably one of my favorite songs like maybe ever because you can't tell me what it is you could say well it's metal and i don't think so you could say well it's punk rock and i don't think it's that either it's just this sort of like speed infused heavy metal with some guts to it, you know, and that's sort of that punk rock coming in. Um, and I just think it's a really cool song. Um, mm -hmm. Killers is amazing. Purgatory, which was the single from Killers, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll say something that probably is pretty unpopular. And sorry to take up so much time. First, let me say that I think Steve Harris sometimes rides the line of using using things that he pretends to hate. Okay. Like, I hate punk rock. Punk rock's bullshit. I'm a heavy metal guy. But somehow he ends up with a singer that isn't a heavy metal singer, straight up looks like Darby Crash. Yeah. And then, you know, I kind of think that Paul Diano, if he wasn't the singer, Iron Maiden wouldn't have been successful. No. Because I 100% agree. Everyone who saw them was like, wait, what the hell's going on? Yes. They got this punk singer and they're fast as shit and they're super metallic and technical. And you didn't know what you were getting. You didn't know what you were hearing. Mm -hmm. And it because of that ambiguity, it was like, well, the punks can listen to this and the metalheads can listen to this. And not only that, but metalheads now can listen to things that are straight up fast. Yeah. And, and have a melody and... And not like Jethro Tull medieval melodies. I'm talking about like song melodies, you know, mm -hmm. like punk rock, three chord kind of things. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but we'll revisit that idea of Steve Harris using things and pretending to hate them. But sure. I do have to say that without Paul Diano, I don't think they would have really made it past, you know, a, a much smaller stage than they made it. As far as getting Bruce and moving on and becoming bigger, I think that's a necessity too. But sure. I think without Paul Diano, you, you, there, there isn't an Iron Maiden as we know it. And so, yeah, killers. 100%. Amazing. One thing that I think maybe a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of Maiden's first successes were actually with Paul Diano. I mean, Killers was their first world tour. Yeah. Um, killers was their first single. And I believe it charted. I could be wrong, but I think it charted. I mean, so Killers Maiden had already been a well-oiled machine by the time, you know, Dickinson jumped aboard. Dickinson, mm -hmm. I think, I think maybe took them to levels 
beyond right. where, where they were already at. But mm-hmm. um, Paul Diano, a maiden was by no means an unsuccessful act no. with Paul Diano. <laughs> Not at by all. By no means. My number three is Peace of Mind. Mm. Um, I love Peace of Mind. I, it's the, you know, it's the classic lineup, but we're kind of moving into a little bit more melodic stuff, but we haven't quite crossed over into theatrical prog yet. You know, I think number of the beast is getting there a little bit. We're, we're hearing elements of it. Peace of mind. We get a lot of those melodies. Um, we're getting a little more away, actually quite a bit more prog, but the songs kill. I mean, where Eagles Dare is outrageous. Flight of Icarus, The Trooper. Those are all songs that are so good and so right in the sound of Maiden and what they were about to become. Like, I just see it sort of as this bridge, personally. Like, where Eagles Dare is, it's letting us know, and with the opener of the album, it's letting us know this is where we are and we're going to keep going on this path. Because Number of the Beast was probably a little confusing when it came out to people, you know, they knew Iron Maiden as this thing. Number of the Beast comes out and it's like, okay, this is a heavy metal band, clearly. And, you know, and that's great, but I think it did kind of confuse people. And the music on Number of the Beast sort of feels in the middle. Um, Peace of mind, I think they're on the path that they're going to follow for the rest of what I consider the good parts of their career. Um, I think that as far as Eddie goes, which I know shouldn't matter, but it does. I mean, you know, you look at album covers for a long time, for some reason, when you're young, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know why I don't now. Holy shit. I look at an album (laughs) cover and I go, yeah, that's cool. Or I don't know, whatever. And that's like the last time I look at it. I don't even care. But when I was young, I would just stare. And it was like, we had some sort of continuity going here, you know? And it's like, well, what the hell happened to Eddie? Why do you have to get his head cut open and get a lobotomy, you know? So yeah. <laughs> there's like all kinds of Eddie questions. Sure, yeah, Do you, sure. what is peace of mind on your list? Peace of mind is not on my list, um, mm-hmm. but I do really like the record quite a bit. Um, Two of my favorite Maiden songs are on that, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The opener where Eagles There is unbelievable. Just yeah. absolutely incredible. And Flight of Icarus is in my top five favorite Maiden songs. I mean, just mm-hmm. the the power of that song is just undeniable. It's and the video is ridiculous too. Yeah. Like they're is. just like singing in a studio, but then I think it's Nico McBrain is kind of dressed up as this like uh cloak wearing cult member on the side of a mountain or something <laughs> holding a brain uh, i mean that's the kind of stuff right there that just brings me back to my childhood mm-hmm. i also was introduced to maiden very young mm-hmm. at six seven years old because i have a sister who's seven years my senior mm-hmm. and her boyfriend at the time was a huge maiden fan mm. and i remember like i would him and my sister would babysit me and his younger brother. Cause we were the mm-hmm. same age. And I remember being at his house and actually getting body slammed by him. Not really. I mean, <laughs> I was much, but he, he, he would pick me up and mm. throw me on like his bed. Just sort of just as a warning, stay the fuck away from my maiden tapes. 
you know, because because <laughs> I actually took his maiden tapes and I would listen to him because I thought he was a jerk. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I was like, well, you're a jerk to me. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and listen to uh, your maiden tapes. And yeah. uh, Somewhere in Time was my first uh, album I heard, you know, and I was six years old and I, I became obsessed with maiden. In fact, I remember I actually had a jean jacket. Mm -hmm. uh, that had like a whole bunch of heavy metal pens on it. And I mm -hmm. was in like third grade and looking back on it, I'm like, God, my, th they must've been wanting to call like child services on my parents <laughs> or something. But anyway, so peace of mind as mm -hmm. a whole, I 100% agree with you on it being a bridge between number of the beast and like power slave and mm -hmm. the progression. I think that, um, without a song like the trooper you mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have songs like aces high and two minutes to midnight and yeah for sure stuff like that and also the songs on peace of mind were still they were still kind of trying to work out like okay are we gonna have seven minute songs all the time mm -hmm. or are we going to maybe throw in a couple of sort of radio friendly rock songs what what, what exactly are we going to do with this now that mm -hmm. we've got I think that they were still kind of trying to figure that out. And then with Aces Hot or with Power Slave, I feel like they kind of were just like, yeah, we are, we're just going to make some kick ass stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of answered our question with Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner about right. song links <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the record. Yeah. But we uh, are yeah, a prog band. They we say. are a prog band, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, Peace of Mind, it's a great record. I would say that um, me personally, it didn't hit me as much as the other 80s dickinson mm -hmm. records because part of that is because i came to it late mm -hmm. i i had heard um all the other records long before i heard peace of mind it just didn't it didn't hit me like um power slave or um mm -hmm. even number of the beast uh so so now we're on to my second pick which mm -hmm. is power slave mm, power nice. slave is number two for me um for the longest time, it was my favorite Maiden record. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of had to go back to the other record, which I'll talk about later. But Power Slave, this record, just from the from the very beginning, it's just fire, man, as they mm -hmm. say. It's just Aces High and Two Minutes to Midnight is, you know, I mean, just they work so well together as the first two tracks. And then Lost for Words, the instrumental, mm -hmm. absolutely incredible. I love the song Flash of the Blade. The song Power Slave, the mm -hmm. title track, absolutely incredible. But yes, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, 13 <laughs> minutes and 45 seconds of just pure brilliance. And it's one of those songs that I, do, I don't feel suffers from the length at all. And mm -hmm. to me, I mean, well, maybe like when it kind of gets to that, you know, sort of like brooding part where there's the spoken word, which I think happens in every maiden song that's over 10 minutes long <laughs> uh, there's some sort of narration from some you know deep voiced guy and it, i don't know if that's dickinson himself i don't know i think uh, so yeah. i think it is and he kind of does like different voices and stuff like that but anyway it's uh it's but i mean the um the guitar part the the drums i mean the instrumentation on this album is absolutely excellent. The other thing I really like about it is I feel like it might be the best example 
of the artwork lending itself to the music perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, everything about the record, the presentation of Power Slave is spot on with what the concept of the record is, which is mostly obviously Egyptian things, the Egyptian Eddie and, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. It, that, you know, the pyramids and um, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I would say Ace is high is uh, just, that's definitely also, I mean, there, I have probably about a hundred maiden songs that are in my top five. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I, I understand that. I will say Ace is high is, top mm-hmm. five but then i'll also say that a hundred other maiden songs are in my top five so yeah they're really when in actuality there is no top five uh that exists of maiden songs for me because <laughs> it it would change probably every second but right. ace is high is one of them that has consistently been there um mm-hmm. just absolutely fantastic plus also the fact that the tour was just ridiculous I mean, they had yeah. like, I think I read somewhere it was like 13 semi trucks just to carry like one eddy. Like they one, had a pretty big one eddy. of those mummy eddies. Yeah. Yeah. They had a huge eddy. And I remember like, I remember asking if I could go see the show when I was like, mm. probably, well, no, uh, no, because my, fr- I, I guess I was too young. I think I did get live after death. Mm-hmm. And, I think I, I I think I actually said something to the effect of why didn't you guys take me to see that? Oh, it's mm-hmm. too scary for young. For, it's too scary for kids. And I was like, it wouldn't be too scary for me. It'd be awesome for me. <laughs> wiener kids, maybe. Only wiener said, kids are scared of Eddie. I mean, well, yeah, on. wiener kids. Which I mean, I kind of was a wiener kid, sort of. I mean, I was scared of. I, Dude, I actually I was scared of horror movies and certain music videos when I was younger. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Looks That Kill was perfectly acceptable to me, but I was scared to death of uh um that Genesis video with the puppets. Um, oh Land, Land of, of Confusion. Confusion. Yeah, and I was scared yeah. to death of Rocket by um Herbie Hancock. Now that is weird. That is that weird. Is, I was video. scared to death of that like the, video for the longest time. The one time. robot with the long flashlight eyeballs and it just yeah, has like a, a shiny wig on or something. Oh my mm-hmm. God. And then that dummy man, like he's terrifying. Yeah. And then the legs are kicking. And then I think <laughs> the mannequin guy, he has legs. I don't know, man. It's yeah. Whacked. It's, it's no, so it's, good. it's, it's, <laughs> a great video now i mean i love uh, watching it now yeah but back then and i was also perfectly okay with eddie like i yeah. would have eddie posters right i wasn't scared of that but boy that herbie hancock video i mean it's weird as shit that is weird isn't it like yeah i was <laughs> I scared it. of that yeah uh and like horror movies i didn't really get in get into appreciating horror movies until i was later uh, right later in life which is weird because you know eddie it's basically a horror movie like come to life yeah. <laughs> in some ways you know what i mean the know? artwork for heavy metal is probably most of the reason i was into it when i was a kid same like, here i was a monster kid from like day one i just that's all i wanted out of life was just scary monsters all the time well, and isn't it still yeah it is still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you know that they made an iron maiden comic book recently no is it about yeah. eddie yeah, Eddie talks. Eddie like talks. It. Is that he the name of it? He talks in it. 
That would be amazing if that if that's what it was. Eddie talks. Iron Maiden, Eddie talks. <laughs> the history of the band according to the mascot. Yeah. Like I think they, I think made, they made me made... cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> they put put yeah. a bunch of chains around yeah. me and <laughs> they put like the cyborg suit on me at one time. It was they were like that would be... we can find another corpse, man. Yeah. Get it you together. Now uncomfortable it is to breathe fire. <laughs> That would be great. Oh man. Um well I would watch and read and listen to anything where Eddie told me the history of the band. I guess he like goes on adventures. Oh shit. Wow. I think maybe he has a sword too, if I remember right. <laughs> like so, the made in Japan. Yeah, like the made in cover. Japan thing. Yeah. But he doesn't I don't remember. I'm gonna have to look it up. Uh it's called Legacy of the Beast. That's the name of the okay. book. They really could make a fortune. You know, because Maiden hasn't made a fortune yet. No, uh, they Still really could. They really could make a fortune if they made a movie based on the Eddie character. I think. As long as they didn't use that crappy CGI that they've been using for fifteen years. <laughs> That's true. That's. True. I feel like every time I see Eddie, I'm like, oh, come on, man! Like, yeah, the the new album covers oh. are surprisingly low tier and disappointing. Oh my god. Like, yeah, we'll for, have to get into that. I'll, but I, yeah, I, I do terrible. think there's one. There's one that is actually that was done really well. Dance of Death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's such an amazing <laughs> fucking cover, man. That actually might be my oh. favorite Eddie. Oh no! What <laughs> <laughs> you fibber? You tricked me. <laughs> well, you're the one that said Dance of Death was really good. Yeah, I was trying to trick you. So what is the what are the record covers you like after what was we're gonna Eric say, Riggs we're gonna, last one? We're gonna say after Fear of the Dark, I think. Yeah. Okay. Cause even even though Fear of the Dark and No Prayer for the Dying were not good albums necessarily, there was good stuff on them. Yeah. But for sure. Overall, I wouldn't say they were good albums. Mm -hmm. They were still good covers. Yeah. I think. But yeah, I think they're they're pretty good. Like the covers to the Blaze Bailey albums were both horrendous. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Brave I mean, New, they're Brave... just lame. <laughs> yeah. Brave New World was okay. Yeah. I mean, that right. one was okay, but I, Dance of Death was absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> and uh, A Matter of Life and Death, I just, I didn't think, but I actually think yeah. the final frontier has a really cool album. Coming. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's a new yeah. take on Eddie, which is nice. You know, I don't like the, um, you got them right here in your background. The, uh, book, book of, of souls. souls. Eddie. There's something yeah. about that one. I just, I don't like, I don't know what it is. It bothers me that it seems like cultural appropriation somehow. Like, I don't know. Like Eddie, I could, I could kind of see that. It's like kind of surprised they haven't. I'm kind of yeah. surprised it hasn't been brought up against them. Well, I just days. don't even understand exactly what they're going for, but it seems to be sort of like it, it reminds me of like the poison uh, native, native tongue, tongue record, like just going for this. Like it's it's like African for some reason, somehow, some sort of just it's African, you know, without actually knowing anything about it it just i don't know if that makes any sense it's like no it makes sense i don't know when you look at it it's like Ugh. all right well um <laughs> <laughs>
I guess it's my last one. So my favorite <laughs> Iron Maiden record is Number of the Beast. Oh, yeah. snap. Amazing I record. I love it. Amazing I love record. It. It's um, like I said, where I feel like Peace of Mind was sort of a bridge to, you know, that more proggy opera, theatrical, everything that Maiden became. I think Peace of Mind is definitely, in my opinion, the bridge. But Number of the Beast is sort of like, it feels like it's coming out of Killers and just being built upon. It's still fast and it's still metallic and it's unashamedly pushing people's buttons on purpose, which I don't think Maiden did again. I don't think they minded the controversy of the album cover and the name of the album and the single Number of the Beast. Um, caused a lot of problems and um they they had the video oh right yeah the terrible mm-hmm. terrible video um yeah it was it was a bad video but it, it, it yeah. definitely uh lent it's itself amazing. to the whole satanic panic thing oh yeah so i don't think they ever went down that path again i think they enjoyed the controversy and it sold a lot of records for them but i don't think that was ever their point with it you know what i mean i don't think Maiden ever really subject matter wise pushed pushed the limits on, on purpose to get people wound up. They just didn't seem like that kind of band to me. Um, but yeah, uh, Invaders is just a hell of an opener. Uh, it's like so good. It's you still are confused. You're still like, well, they have a new singer, and the artwork is like, there's that guy again. But now he's like a puppet master and he's controlling the devil in hell and all these little people are burning. And so Eddie is apparently really big or at least cosmic or something. Something is beyond just some sort of street level punk skeleton man. You know, he now has become, um, I don't know, something bigger, something stranger, something more. He's uh, he's magic now. Eddie's mm-hmm. magic. <laughs> so, um, and Children of the Damned is amazing. Um, 22 Acacia Avenue is amazing. Number of the Beast is freaking untouchable. And one thing we haven't talked about yet is Steve Harris oh, and man. his bass playing. Yeah, His bass playing is, I mean, he may not be my favorite rock and roll or rock bass player, um, but he's the best. Yeah, he's the best one. Like, uh, I think John Entwistle is my favorite because he just has a real natural way of playing and doesn't play like anyone else and is never playing the melody. So he's my favorite. And then Geezer Butler is my second favorite because he just stays in the pocket and he grooves and he plays hard. He just goes places you don't expect. But Steve Harris is the best bass player. And um, he does these galloping triplets all the time. Um, He actually uses three fingers. People are going to write in. They're not really because no one ever writes in. But if they were, they would say he uses four. But actually, the movement of his fourth finger is just sort of sympathetic from his ring finger galloping. He also doesn't anchor with his hand or wrist on the bass, which is interesting to me. He uses his forearm on the body of the bass and his hand is moving completely freely and so he has two different styles it's that galloping style and then he'll do um 
a finger style for um, sort of arpeggios and, and softer things. Anyway, sorry to go off about that, but he's in full force on this record. It's outrageous. And Number of the Beast especially is the one where I just can't even understand what's happening, except for Run to the Hills, the break in Run to the Hills is sick. Like mm-hmm. it is outrageous. Mm-hmm. They're just doing that thing, and Bruce is in his big, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And um, the whole time, though, Steve Harris is until it gets to the end, and it's just like, and you're like, how the fuck did he do that? And right, it's killer. Um, and everyone's just playing full hard. I just think it's an amazing record. I, yeah. And it's always my go-to. It's always the one I put on. Yes. Um, the other ones are always kind of like, well, I guess if I'm not going to listen to Number of the Beast, I'll listen to this other one. So it ha- absolutely had to be my favorite. So anyway, yeah. what do you think of Number of the Beast? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I love Number of the Beast. And let me be perfectly clear here. Um, you know, just because Number of the Beast didn't affect me in the same way that some of the other Maiden albums did doesn't mean that I don't think it's an amazing album because I do. I think that number of the beast is it is, it probably is like my fourth or fifth personal favorite, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in my top five. It's yeah. Invaders is great. Um, I love children of the damned. Mm-hmm. There's a part of it that is also very much like, when you're listening to an album like number of the beast, it is like you're listening to a horror movie mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? Like you almost can picture scenes like 22 Acacia Avenue right. and sort of like the, uh, you know, number of the beast and like, it almost does feel like a movie plot line. Mm-hmm. However, I, I am kind of shocked by one thing, Eric, that you didn't mm-hmm. mention the brilliance of hollowed be thy name. Oh yeah. That sure. is like, in my opinion, that, could be one of my it, it could be number one for me i don't really, really know nice. i love hollowed be thy name yeah i do too. that that is amazing the lyrics the concept you know of basically just like a guy waiting to be hung yeah. and i mean it's just there's there's the emotion that dickinson conveys in his voice but then also just like like you mentioned steve harris's playing is just completely unmatched mm-hmm. and i think I think a lot of the rhythms on that album can be attributed to Clive Burr. Once again, mm-hmm. Clive Burr, I think was a very, and oftentimes overlooked. And I mean, with it's pretty justified when you consider Nico McBrain is definitely yeah. sick, sick drummer. And he's oh, yeah. the one who really kind of took the seat over yes. from peace of mind. Yeah. Uh, it's justified. I it's, it's not right, but I, th- I, I can see I did it for many years too, like not really appreciating Clive Burr's drumming. But I think like, again, I think it's the same thing with number of the beast that killers is with Dickinson that I'm not sure if Nico McBrain's drumming would be the same on a record like number of the beast. I think yeah. Clive Burr really contributed a lot to that mm-hmm. record musically so many good the prisoner too that's another one and what i love about the prisoner is it's based on that sick uh british tv show the quote from the beginning is uh actually from that show i am not a number it's fantastic um 
but yeah, number of the beast. Yeah. Uh, I could see why it would be somebody's favorite maiden record. All right. So my number one is probably going to shock a lot of people. Uh Um, Yes. Uh, It's uh, the X factor. The Blaze Bailey. No, just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> you were, you were, I was like, shit, I got to talk like, about that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, actually, uh, I kind of gave it away earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, my favorite is Somewhere in Time. And there's a reason, there's a lot of reasons for it. But number one, it's the first Maiden record, as I mentioned, that I'd ever heard. So it was mm-hmm. my introduction to Maiden. Um, but also I just really like the themes on it. I really mm-hmm. think the playing on it is absolutely incredible. I also like the fact, and this is kind of something earlier when we kind of talked about songwriting credits within the maiden camp, mm-hmm. this is kind of an interesting little piece about this record. This was sort of the beginning of the end, I think of Dickinson eventually exiting the band mm-hmm. because he came to the studio with a bunch of song ideas that were basically like acoustic based. Right. That he kind of wanted to make almost like a physical graffiti sort of sounding record. Mm -hmm. And it was immediately rejected by Steve Harris. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I find very interesting, and this plays into what you were talking about, Steve Harris utilizing things that he hates. Synthesizer. Um, Right. He actually, Steve Harris went on record several times before this record saying, uh, actually basically dissing um, and throwing shade at like the new wave movements and yeah. calling synthesizers fake instruments and saying, you'll never hear a synthesizer in a maiden record. This mm-hmm. was actually during the power slave tour. Right. And then look what happened somewhere in time, the next record. It's interesting. A lot of, a lot of what's being utilized here is more like guitar synth right. effects than actual synthesizers, but there is some synthesizers going on. But I think the song structures on this record are Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Uh, Caught somewhere in time. Mm -hmm. My favorite opener on a Maiden record. Uh, It's so exciting. The galloping um, element is just at full force there. Wasted Years, I think, is just a brilliant song. Mm -hmm. Stranger in a Strange Land is awesome. I, I think that um, Alexander the Great is awesome. Mm-hmm. Sea of Madness, the loneliness of the long distance runner. And the other thing that I really enjoy about it is the artwork. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that it's based on Blade Runner, which is mm-hmm. one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. <laughs> um, yeah, Somewhere in Time is, is the record for me, man. I, I just, nice. I, it's the one that, got me into maiden and it's mm-hmm. probably a strange one for some people because it really is where you could tell there was sort of um some differences mm-hmm. as far as the opinions of the artistic direction of where this band was going to go yeah man uh somewhere in time that's my personal favorite one yeah i love somewhere in time i think for me although i had heard iron maiden when i was younger I think that somewhere in time was I was finally of an age where I saw the video wasted years. Mm -hmm. I could go buy it or at least, you know, ask for it or whatever. Yeah. Save my money. And so it was kind of the first one for me, too, that I actually like 
spent a lot of time listening to. Mm, so, okay. because the other ones weren't available to me. Sure. Um, except if my uncle let me listen to them or something like that. This was the first one I bought it on cassette. I remember. And I really, I really like it. And yeah. Um, it's funny because yeah, like wasted years, it's an Adrian Smith song. Mm -hmm. And I feel like throughout the course of the rest of their career, I think they re tried to recapture Wasted Years Yeah, on almost every song. They were like, that yeah. worked. We better keep doing that. Um, you know? Absolutely. I, I kind of, I agree with that. I think that there yeah. was definitely, I think Somewhere in Time was the one record where they kind of were just like, oh, wow, we can actually do like other stuff. Like, right. you know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. they're like, we can actually do other stuff, but still, mm -hmm. still be made. Still being made. And, and but I think that when it goes into that chorus of Wasted Years, I think everyone was pretty surprised. It's like, whoa, when are you going to make this dark? And it yeah. never did get there. It only got, and they had epic choruses before that. I mean, all kinds of them, but they were, they never were like in this, sort of major key epic happy sounding thing you know and so that made a big difference I and, think the, and the song was almost like um it was definitely i would say at that point it was their poppiest song that they oh ever for done. sure yeah but that and, was that that was yeah. even overshadowed by can i play with madness oh yeah which I is mean, if we want to talk about seventh son i think we can i think no if we wanted to put an honorable mention in seventh son seventh son is amazing so can but i yeah, play the, with the madness guitar synths and, oh, real quick though sorry uh the guitar synths on on somewhere in time is exactly what i was talking about how harris would pretend to hate something and then reap the benefits of it anyway yeah yeah you know? exactly and it's like well it's a guitar you can't just get away with it because it's just a guitar and not really a synthesizer it's like you're just changing the controller like if it had a keyboard then it's bad but if it has strings then it's good but you know that's fine have your cake and eat it too i mean yeah if you can figure no, out absolutely. a way to do that whatever <laughs> you, know? you know what i would love to hear is i would love to hear an iron maiden auto-tune song like I would love to hear Dickinson use auto tune. <laughs> He's probably like one I of the few singers out there that really probably would never need to use it. He's an no, amazing yeah. singer. He really is. And no, he really, yeah. It Dickinson gets really lame phenomenal. sometimes. And, and yeah. that's just the way it is. I, that's the nature of being theatrical. Yeah. Cause you're taking agreed. these huge swings and trying things out. And it's always with complete commitment and of course you're going to miss sometimes. And the fact that you went for it so hard and missed, then it becomes somewhat laughable, but yeah, that's okay. Like I'd rather have people try and fail than just be boring. So who yeah. cares? you know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> honorable, honorable mentions. I'm going to say that I definitely have to put the self-titled mm -hmm. album on there. That is sure. Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. prowler and the song iron maiden has one of the sickest guitar lines ever. oh yeah for so sure memorable and then i'm gonna have to say for me because it wasn't on my list um i'm gonna have to say uh yeah definitely seventh son mm -hmm. like let's talk about seventh son a little yeah, bit i'd love to can i play with madness was the perfect marriage I feel like with wasted years, they were building up to something mm -hmm. that was eventually, can I play with madness? Yeah. Cause I believe it was actually their highest to this day. I think it's their highest charting single. 
Well, and it doesn't seem by accident. Like, no. literally, if you ask someone how long a radio song is, they say three and a half minutes. Yeah. And I play it with Madness is exactly three, three and, and a half, half minutes. minutes. It's like, but it, you know, they did it on, they, yeah. I don't want to say they did it on purpose, like in a sellout way, but I think they were writing it and probably were like, you know, this could, this could be played somewhere. Let's, well, let's make it happen. But let's know? also not forget that they also had Run to the Hills. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of were not strangers to that. If you really think yeah. about it. even flight of Icarus, mm-hmm. you could even make a case for two minutes to midnight. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, but I feel like with, can I play with madness? I feel like definitely like where they were just like, okay, I don't feel like with run to the Hills, they wrote it to be a pop song necessarily, right. even though that's what it came out to be. I think with, can I play with madness? It was like, yeah, let's make a pop song. Let's just, you know yeah it's, but it's really good too it's so good. i think and the video if you want yeah, to talk about ridiculous cool. ridiculous iron maiden videos so there's this guy who's a teacher graham chapman by the graham, way oh is it graham chapman okay from monty python yeah. from monty python i did not realize yeah. that and so okay so the guy from monty python <laughs> yeah going around scolding these i don't know if they were supposed to be college students Drawing things in black robes. Yeah. And I don't know what they were. And like, and he would, I remember there was like, he was ripping pages out of them. Yeah. He comes to this one, this one kid who's drawing a metal magazine of Eddie in the sky. Mm-hmm. And he's just horrified by what he sees and he takes it. And then he falls down this hole. <laughs> yeah. And there's a big dirt hole. He wakes up. There's these guys. I guess they're Satanists. Nice. Who are walking through this cave <laughs> with like, you know, torches and black robes on black cloaks. Mm-hmm. And he follows them. And of course they disappear, but then he finds himself in this room full of spider webs with a fridge, like a refrigerator in there for some reason. Yeah. He opens up the refrigerator and it's an animated version of the seventh sun cover of Eddie actually pulling the fetus out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really cool. But then he freezes and then he's like, I don't know. It's not like he's dead. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on, but it, uh, it was the epitome of like an 80, 1988 headbangers ball metal video. So in the video that we don't really know what's happening makes kind of makes sense. Like we can't figure out what Eddie's doing anymore. We don't know where he is. He's in some strange ice world or something and he has torn his heart out and i think in the video his animated heart turns into like a little creature or something well isn't it a fetus yeah right that's it yeah like you said a fetus and then like he still has the cyborg stuff from somewhere in time but now he's missing the bottom half of his body (laughs) like (laughs) and then the singles are just insane looking so yeah but I'm trying to hold back a little bit because I do want to talk about the artwork. We haven't talked about our favorite Eddie's yet. Yeah. So we have not, we have not. So um, do you want to go first or you want me sure. to go first? I'll go first. So, All right. so my number three is going to be the seventh sun cover. Yeah. I love that cover. I think that it's beautiful and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I love the color scheme of it. I love the icy feel that it gives me. Definitely. I feel like for it being a prog album, I think it was kind of the perfect cover to exemplify mm-hmm. that. 
Oh, for sure. And it, it causes a lot of mystery and, and stuff again, um, which with this record, I think is, you know, kind of how it is, but Absolutely. in the background on the gatefold, it, it's very strange, whatever's happening. There's Eddie's head is on fire, but then it also, yeah. <laughs> um, if you look at the full painting, the smoke from his head goes up and becomes an Eddie in the sky. And then there's these floating right. light things. And then there's some Eddie's that look like maybe they're just like mm -hmm. encased mm -hmm. in ice and melting. But then the number of the beast Eddie's in the background um yes there's like a bible and it looks like maybe this whole thing is hovering above the earth or something i don't know man yeah it's it's really out yeah, there it's all crazy and it's cool it though really because is. it reflects the record so well you know and i've also got to make a um real quick a sort of a um uh mention of have you seen the can i play with madness single Oh album, yeah, that's I love cover. it so much. It's like a corkscrew. Where he's got hand. the yeah, he's got a corkscrew and he's got like uh, a fist going through his head, which I think, even adds yeah. even more. I think I drew that probably a hundred times when I was in middle school. That image, right? The, yeah, the cover as well. I just drew it nonstop. I was obsessed almost, but yeah, absolutely great, Eddie. Dude, that is so so good. Yeah. All right. So do you want to trade yeah, off or do you sure. want me to my number three my... Okay. is actually a single from seventh son. So it follows that same sort of thing. And it is the clairvoyant single, which is real weird. And it looks like uh, Alex Gray, almost mm -hmm. um, the guy that tool used a lot of his artwork. Um, it's like an Eddie and it's like one face in you. And it has three faces and it's held together by oh, okay. like machinery. And then like these crazy, honestly, Alex gray eyeballs are floating out of the fire in the top. It's just weird. And that's how this whole, yeah, the whole record felt to me was just like, we're experimenting here and not just all the synthesizer, yeah. but the artwork, the song structure, everything about it. It's like, we don't know who we are anymore. And we're gonna we're gonna try a bunch of shit and it's gonna get weird. Yeah. And that, you know, so I think that that uh, that single cover is it just lends to that. So absolutely. Yeah. What's your number two, um, Eddie? So my number two is actually, I don't even know if this is well, it says prophecy LP cover, but I just remember this. This um it used to be on shirts all the time. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if maybe it's like some sort of um, bootleg cover, but okay. it's this, it, it's like a prophet Eddie, his hair kind of looks like um, the uh, scientist from back to the future. And uh, he's sitting oh, yeah. in front uh, of this, over like, the crystal orb. ball. Yeah. yeah. Over the crystal ball with these yeah. two candles lit from side yeah. to side. That's a great and Eddie. I, just, I loved that Eddie. And that's always been one of my favorites. Yeah. I like that Eddie. I think that he, I, if I'm not mistaken, it almost seems like he's wearing the duster from the uh, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. Yes, single, yes, he's yes, which is weird. And he that also looks kind of just like a haggard old man for some yeah. weird reason. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna say I know for a fact that this picture was 
somewhere between somewhere in time and seven right. sun so it might have been like a tour design the too they had a lot of tour yeah. designs just for shirts and stuff too which is crazy that that makes sense because i bet the seven sun tour was called the prophecy tour might be I bet. yeah it would make sense so that's nice. probably it yeah um my second eddie even though we haven't talked about it because i think we just sort of didn't include live records because you know they have a ton of them it seems uh life after death is actually oh, man super good um so and good. probably so good. would be one of my favorite records but i i just didn't know the rules as it were you know what i mean um right. but that eddie is amazing I mean, he's just coming out of it the is. ground. Everything's on fire. He's either shooting light out of his head into the sky or there's light shooting into his head from out of the sky. I don't even know. But somehow mm -hmm. it's making him come back from the dead. Uh, I just love the colors of it. I think it's a beautiful painting, which is, I mean, I always love Derek Riggs' stuff, but some of the stuff can seem kind of flat. Like the Somewhere in Time cover is amazing. But it, yeah. you look at it, it's just like kind of kind of flat. You know, I don't know if it's yeah. the colors or something, but it just doesn't really pop the same. But yeah, the live after death, just the colors of it is just, it, they're gorgeous. It's an amazing thing. They are. And I just like Eddie. He just seems completely out of control. Um, like a demonic force or some kind of unstoppable right. force, which up to this point, I don't know. He was sort of like, a person or something you know and then all of a sudden it's like no this this mm -hmm. thing is is bigger than just a dead person so yeah I don't know. definitely definitely anyway i yeah. love the life live after death uh eddie yeah that's kind of the first you're right that's kind of the first one where he didn't appear he's he didn't appear human like in a weird sort of way right. even though he was never human really but like i don't know the first two albums yeah for he's as just a he's he's just like a person that just happens right. to have weird skin yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's crazy yeah. uh would you be mad if i if my number one was a tie no it's okay. all good so i'm gonna pick two that are tied for number one okay first one is the cover of made in japan mm -hmm. made in japan with the sword yeah love that cover it's good uh, a lot of that has to do with my obsession with ninjas at that age uh, and like Ninja Turtles and things like that. And I love the fact that uh, Derek Riggs was putting Eddie in that sort of subculture, obviously fit with the theme of them being over in Japan, you know? Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. And then the other one was one that we already mentioned, which is the stranger in a strange land. Yeah, it's cool. Definitely. Love that. If we're talking about albums, just as real quick honorable mentions, I would have to say that the first two albums are two of my favorites. Favorite album covers, Killers and Oh yeah. yeah. Love those. I love I like Killers because it just he, he's just like killing somebody and it, it <laughs> yeah. exemplifies like evil, but it's like yeah. true evil. You know, it's like real evil. So it's actually like I kind of feel Killers is actually an even scarier album cover than, say, like Number of the Beast or, 
you know, even like peace yeah. of mind, although peace of mind, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near that Eddie either. Right. Um, well, the cool thing too is, is that in killers, the cover sanctuary single shows Eddie killing Margaret Thatcher. Right. And so on the cover of killers that the hands and the blousey shirt, I'm assuming is also Margaret Thatcher that's reaching up and pulling his shirt. That's pretty cool to have that sort of continuity. And then yeah. um, women in uniform, she's waiting with a machine gun to kill Eddie while he walks down the street with two young ladies, yeah. which wow. is so stupid. Like why is Eddie out on the town? Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I never thought of that for real though. Like, I mean, I guess if I was Eddie, I'd be like, what is anyone going to do to me? Yeah. I mean, they can't kill him, apparently. Apparently He'll not. He'll just get I mean... lightning into his forehead and shoot out of a <laughs> flaming grave. So whatever. Or half of his body will disappear and he'll yeah. pull out a fetus. Right. Like one of the two. You know? But yeah, the lightning shooting out of his forehead, life after death, beautiful. The purgatory one is my number one favorite. Um, it predates... Uh, number of the beast but it uses the same devil like with a wing on its head um yeah i think i talked about previously that my friend had this he was a hoodlum like me we were hoodlums and he had this poster in his room and i would just like lay there and stare at it and i just yeah it just scared me to death but um and i just think it's really cool i had not seen anything so blatantly scary yet in heavy metal um but as far as honorable mentions go honestly the anything off number of the beast is yeah sick. run to the hills is is an amazing album cover yes. cool yeah. like just eddie and the devil fighting on like a rock and there's just demons all around them. yeah yeah and then apparently eddie wins uh because in the number of the beast single he's he's like holding the devil's head right eating all over yeah that's and, absolutely fantastic yeah and then flight of icarus he's like flying oh, yeah. in the sun with like a jet pack and i don't know man they were just going nuts oh two know? other two other honorable mentions are the aces high and two minutes to midnight singles oh, where yeah. eddie's They're nice eddie's like a pilot yeah like aces high he's a pilot and then that he's like a soldier on two minutes to midnight yeah. where he's like pointing to you with a cigar like right. he's actually smoking i guess yeah, well, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the trooper also. Oh, yeah, the trooper. I too. mean, the trooper yes. might honestly be one of the most iconic Eddies. That's a really good one. You know, and I do think that the final frontier was a cool album cover, but I wouldn't put it in my favorites. By right. means. And I, I actually yeah. think that Brave New World had kind of a cool cover. It was kind of basic, mm -hmm. but it was kind of cool. And um, yeah. then, you know. It's unfortunate that Iron Maiden, who basically became synonymous with good album covers, mm -hmm. just like even had the opportunity to make like horrible album covers in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it makes me sad. It's, right. So as far as worst album covers, I think Dance of Death. Um, but the virus single cover sucks. Oh God. Like it's not even terrible. Any. It's like so no. stupid. I just hate it so much. Well, even even the virtual 10 and uh, X Factor album covers, like they're barely Eddie. 
Yeah, right. You know, and totally. even even the um, final frontier, that's not really Eddie either. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not the Eddie that we knew, you know, um, right. and <laughs> I will say that that the Book of Souls stayed pretty true to yeah. the form of Eddie. And I will I also say that so did um, Matter of Life and Death. I don't know. It's unremarkable to me. Yeah, Whereas like all of the 80s stuff was and this is going to make me sound such like an old man when it comes to maiden. They are one of the cases where it's like the earlier, the better, you know, Hey, maiden is still uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, when it comes yeah. to, you know, just their influence and their, I would say that maiden probably is like what you were saying. It was my introduction to heavy metal. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Do you remember Liking Iron Maiden was not cool at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then a couple things happened, and all of a sudden it was like kind of okay again. So the things that I noticed that happened were the song uh, Blaze Bailey Finnegan the Third on Uh the Slow Riot for New Canada. For New Canada, yeah. So that song, everyone was like, well, you know, those are Iron Maiden lyrics, right? You know, or whatever. Um, and I, it got sort of the conversation about Iron Maiden started with right. people that weren't supposed to talk about Iron Maiden. Right. And then also the Teenage Dirtbag song came out with like Iron a year Maiden. later or whatever and mentioned Iron Maiden. Yep. And then, yeah, for some reason it was like all of a sudden in like, I don't even remember 2000. I'm going to say 2000. Yeah, that was the Teenage Dirtbag. But for some reason, all the metal people around here started to talk about Iron Maiden, how cool they were. People had Maiden shirts on and patches and shit. I was like, when the hell did this happen? (laughs) I know. Yeah, it was it was it was a very bizarre thing, actually, for me. So when I became a teenager, I started to hate metal. Like Mm -hmm. I stopped listening to Anthrax. Um, I stopped listening to Metallica. Mm -hmm. I stopped listening to Maiden, especially Maiden, because I thought Maiden was just pure cheese in the 90s. And to be fair with the albums they were releasing, (laughs) I mean, why why wouldn't I think that? Right. But I even thought that the older stuff was just old shit and just Mm -hmm. needed to die, just like hair metal. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I even unfortunately kind of lumped them in with hair metal for Mm -hmm. some reason. And, uh, you know, because it was all part of kind of the same marketing tool you know of the 80s and i was a punk rocker and no i mean i have to thank kurt cobain for that (laughs) you know uh and you know uh, and i'm glad i'm glad that i was a punk rocker in the 90s and yeah didn't just keep listening to 80s hair metal and then something happened in the year 2000 99 first of all um like you said, slow right for New Canada. For the longest time, I had no idea those were maiden lyrics. Mm-hmm. I had no idea whatsoever. Yeah, the Teenage Dirtbag song, which I always thought of that as just like, they're making fun of maiden. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's kind of what I always thought of. But then I bet there was an element of sincerity to it now. Oh, yeah. Looking definitely. back on it, because... Even like Weezer were like Maiden fans, you know what I mean? Like it, and it became apparent that like Smashing Pumpkins and uh, Pearl Jam and all these all these bands 
were actually influenced by the likes of Maiden and Priest. Mm -hmm. And so then I think what happened is, well, first of all, I kind of think in a weird sort of way, we could almost look at the genesis of that sort of metal being accepted to like new metal. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because new metal brought the conversation of metal being in the mainstream back again. That's after, true. Yeah. After like 91 through like, I, I don't know, we'll say like 95. I when the, the first corn album dropped in 94, I think. Hmm. And then you had Deftones follow very quickly. And then you had Limp Biscuit. And even though it was, you know, some of that stuff was rap metal and it wasn't the metal that we all knew from Anthrax or Metallica or Maiden or any, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Metal became the most popular music on mainstream radio after like, or at least the most popular form of rock music on mainstream radio after like 97 Mm-hmm. or something like that i mean you couldn't even turn on mtv without seeing a corn video at that time you know right and so i think that became a thing and then eventually people like myself who you know when i was 15 or 16 living in a place like muscatine my resources were kind of limited to mm-hmm. what i was going to be exposed to in terms of underground um I started hearing things like Converge and Dillinger Escape Plan and, um, you know, they kind of started popping up in Caven or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those bands were influenced by Maiden. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the 90s, uh, they didn't really... That's one interesting thing about some of those like metalcore bands is that I feel like they kind of never really let go of metal in the first place you know what i mean yeah in a lot of ways and so then you started having bands that kind of sounded like maiden like three inches of blood is the one that comes to mind that kind of sounded or even like something like shadows fall or even lamb of like early lamb of god or something Mm -hmm. where it was obvious that they were they were kind of they were taking that adrian smith sort of like uh twin lead sort of Mm -hmm. sound and putting it to something heavier than maiden And then, like you said, the pop culture references uh, on top of the fact that we had Bruce Dickinson back in the band in 2000, they put out their reunion album and the Wicker Man got like the most airplay of any Maiden song since Can I Play With Madness? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think it just kind of snowballed from there because then you started having the underground metal world Mm -hmm. start giving Maiden their props. And at the time I would say, this generation it was overdue because i think whether people wanted to admit it or not maiden had a huge influence on punk rock Mm -hmm. on metal uh both underground and mainstream on thrash black metal oh yeah i mean black metal bands they worship iron maiden i think all these things together though brought maiden back into popular culture to where even underground bands, all those Vulcan screamo bands, mm-hmm. they loved Maiden. They oh, yeah. would talk to them and they'd be like, oh, I love Maiden. Somehow Maiden were able to become very culturally cool. And now they're like, yeah, they've really sort of like, yeah, they did a 180 like from their 90s days. Because mm-hmm. in the 90s, they were just, I mean, it was like painfully uncool to like Iron Maiden right. in the 90s. For sure. Yeah, like it was like, time. if you if you wore a Maiden 
if I wore a maiden like shirt to school in like 1996, mm-hmm. I probably would have like beat myself up. Yeah. You would have been a teenage dirt bag. <laughs> I would have been a teenage dirt bag. Exactly. No, actually I don't um, encourage violence, especially against oneself <laughs> for wearing a maiden t-shirt in 1996. But well, what do you think we wrap this up? We got a, <laughs> I think we, uh, I think that that might we be covered everything. This is the most exhaustive, so, in-depth dive into Iron Maiden. <laughs> so let's that, find out. Let's, that two let's, people who don't know that much about Iron Maiden. <laughs> let's let's uh. So let's do a recap. What did we learn today? We learned that Iron Maiden are British. That, we learned that's that, true. We learned that Steve Harris was a guy who mm-hmm. liked to do things that he hated. Um, we learned that. Um, Eddie is a thing. Eddie is a thing. Yes. And that Eddie likes to kill people. Yeah, he's a killer. Hmm. And he likes to pull his heart out. Yeah. In and it's like a fetus. icy weather. And it's yeah. a fetus. And it happens. All these things. There's a lot of a lot of really yeah. good things to ponder there. And it, honestly, that those are the bullet points. Those are the important things to know about Iron Maiden. Um, I think we really nailed that. So <laughs> we really did. There was a, uh, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Yeah. No, all that stuff about like music. Don't yeah. just don't even, you know, just, just put a giant Eddie poster on your wall and, and just, uh, you know, kiss your life. Goodbye. That's it. That's all you need in this life. Big preferably, Eddie poster. Preferably do make it a poster of him killing someone or yeah. something or get that old, uh, uh, you remember the back of your door posters that were popular? Oh yeah. Yeah. I had an Eddie one where he was like busting through the door. Oh shit. Yeah. It was really, I sick. never knew those existed. So I think that's gotta be one of my favorite Eddie's too. Anyway. Yeah. The, the, a lot of, I really just love, I, I love most of the Eddie's. I mean, yeah. you know, who doesn't? Yeah, so. exactly. The Eddie's are, <laughs> the Eddie's are great. Um, yeah. if you guys want to, um, visit our Insta or our Facebook. We're there. Yeah. All you have to do is just go there and look up accelerative thrust. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. And yeah, if you don't like iron maiden, I'm sorry, we're going to have another episode <laughs> next week where, uh, uh, we will be returning to it's actually, this will be like three weeks since we've actually reviewed like, I know. Albums. Right. I'm, I'm all, I'm all <laughs> like, backed up. Yeah. I got so many records I want to talk about. Yeah, we need to get some uh we need to get some records out of yeah. our system because nice. they're really clogging us up. Ouch. Uh, ah, yeah. So anyway, uh thank you for listening, everybody, and uh stay safe and up the irons. Yep. All right, bye y'all. Bye. <laughs>